Well, good morning to each of you. As we turn our eyes and our hearts to God's Word, I pray that we can um, kind of channel out the things that grab our attention. That passage gives us a glorious picture of the Gospel. And it gives us a picture of what our responsibility is to the Gospel. He clearly states that this is not our message. This is not our light. This is not our goodness. We are simply showing the goodness of the Gospel of Christ. And hopefully as he read that, again, that Gospel impacted you again. This morning our text is Mark 4, verses 21 through 26. And the question that we'll ask from this text, and it's the title, is why? Why is it hidden? This text is simply Jesus making a statement that he knows the answer to. And the, the question, the statement, assumes the answer to the statement. Why would one take the light in a house and throw it under the bed or put a bucket over it? Why would one do that? And so this morning we want to consider that for ourselves. At almost every high school sports program across the nation, if you walk into their major facility, there's one thing that you will see in almost every single gymnasium, athletic center, whatever that is. And that's a trophy case. And in that trophy case, you will see what is valued by that community. You will find trophies and mementos from various triumphs. You will see a signed football or jersey from the state championship team. 20 years ago, maybe. And you will see the jersey of a guy who succeeded at sports and made it onto a professional team. That one guy who lived the dream that everyone is seeking, the one in 5,000 or so. And you often have a progression. At the outer edge of the trophy case, you get the little medals and the, those little things. But in the center, you have the state championship trophy, the national championship trophy, or the multiples, the one thing that defines the glory of this program. The one thing that shows our accomplishments. When you walk in that room, we accomplished the trophy. In fact, the celebration of reaching a goal is a universal activity in the world. From the one million man hours incident free banner on a manufacturing facility to all of the degrees and awards that you find in the office of a successful person, we celebrate when what we value flourishes and comes to fruition, we celebrate and well celebrate these things. And we place the, the trophies, the awards, in a place of prominence for all to see that says, look, this is something that I glory in. This is what is important. Today our text asks, uh, asks us 
what is truly important. It asks us to consider if we truly believe that the gospel of Christ crucified for our sins is the single most important news in the world. Is the glory of God truly the surpassing glory that encompasses all glory? And is a glory worth giving our life for? That's the question that this text asks us. Again, we are in Mark 4, verses 21 through 25, and this is out of the ESV. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pause for prayer. Father, this is your word. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word and to allow it to shape us and to mold us more into the image of Christ our Savior. And it's his name we ask. If I was to sum what I'd like to say this morning in, in a couple little sentences, I would say this. What you truly believe about the gospel cannot be hidden. Your faithful display will bring about divine-assisted growth and bountiful harvest. Your unfaithful hiding will lead to spiritual decline and eternal death. I'll repeat that. What you believe about the gospel cannot be hidden. Your faithful display will bring about divine-assisted growth and bountiful harvest, and your unfaithful hiding will lead to spiritual decline and eternal death. As I stated earlier, this passage is Jesus making one truth statement. And then he adds a few qualifying or supporting comments. The statement here is told on the foundation of the parable of the sowers, which we find in the previous verses. And as you recall in that story, Jesus is attributing spiritual renewal or growth to the receiving of the gospel seed that is planted in the soil of the heart. And that planting brings forth the fruit of the gospel. But as we consider those different soils, we recognize that, that each of us are most likely either the bare or the thorny or the stony soil, and it is only the divine work of God in our lives and in our hearts that allow us to receive the gospel and to truly see it. And in that, we're not saved by our own self-effort towards reformation. 
or we're not saved based on our ability to follow a moral code, but we are saved by the gracious hand of a father who calls his children to himself. He doesn't stand waiting for us to mess up so he can punish, but he stands willing to call, to accept, to love, and to grant grace and mercy. God desires that man, the crown jewel of creation, is returned to his intended function. This is the good news. This is the light that Jesus speaks about. This is the path to true beauty and understanding. This is the path to a life well lived in a dark and shattered world. This gospel is the brightest light that the world has ever seen. And this gospel is truly God himself. But Jesus well recognizes the inclination of the disciples then and believers now to shy away from declaring the gospel as what it really is. If we're honest, we we, we like the gospel for ourselves. We want to be saved ourselves. But are we willing to allow ourselves to simply be a candlestick holder? Most of us would at least like to be part of the candle, part of the light. Jesus is asking us to be the candle holder. The light is to be displayed, not hidden. And the light is not us. The light is God himself. In asking a question with an obvious answer, Jesus is indicating a fundamental truth. The light is not brought in to be captured or hidden. You don't win a trophy to hide it in the closet until the price of chrome goes up. The gospel is not for you unto yourself. The gospel is not about you. The gospel is about God. The light is God himself. The gospel transformed life is not about you getting your life transformed, but about displaying the life-altering glory of God. You see, I think we've believed a lie. A lie that our modern world tells us that we're the center of it all. And a lie that modern Christianity has been all too willing to come along with. Modern Christianity says that believing in God is about saving yourself. Here, quickly pray pray this prayer and God will save you because of you repeating a phrase. You don't want to to go to hell, do you? So grab the parachute and escape hell. And faith, rather than a life foundation, is simply a means of rescue. And after the rescue, it becomes the way for you to find happiness.
Because after all, God exists so that you can be happy. God exists so he can bless you. God exists so he can heal and and cure your sicknesses and and make you wealthy and, and bless you. And this is a very sweet lie because it contains enough truth that we take a little morsel and we ignore the full, bountiful meal of the glory of the gospel. We, we let it sit in the other room and we take the Hershey's chocolate and we run on chasing our own glory and our own goodness. And God is merely an accessory to our glory. This promise of self-preservation and earthly happiness is promised without the requirement of denying self. And as I said, it's, it has a flavor of truth. Is the gospel-transformed life a more fulfilling life? We see the record of believers from all over the world that it is. That in the end, they would trade nothing for their pursuit of the glory of God. But did it make them wealthy? Did it make them happy? Did it make them healthful? More than often, it did not. It brought about their earthly demise. And so, to promise earthly fulfillment and happiness as a result of the gospel is to place a bucket over the light and to snuff it out. To reduce faith to seeking an escape hatch from hell is to throw the light under the bed. In 2 Corinthians there, we see a far different view. But we have this treasure, or we have this light in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so if we have a trophy case in our hearts, there should be but one trophy. And that trophy is the glory of Christ. As we said, the light we speak of is God Himself. The Gospel is the good news of God. The transforming truth is not merely an escape from hell or the promise of a better life but it is a foundation for living. Each of us in our own sinful nature seeks to build on our own foundation. Our world says you can can go your own way. You can do your own thing. And if we're honest, we like that. We like that a lot. But the truth of God says we cannot. It says that we can only build on the eternal foundation of Christ. And so this faith, this recognizing of God for who He truly is, and a recognizing of who we truly are, brings about a different understanding of the world. And this understanding sees that humanity is broken. And that God has acted on the behalf of humanity by sending Christ is the one to rebuild the bridge between man and his creator. 
And that by dying on the cross, He bore the penalty for our separation from God. And by dying and bearing our penalty, He brings about the revitalization of the human heart. And He allows us to fully see the true glory of God. And so, if we truly believe that, if that is the light that lights our house, then it shapes everything we do. Just as a foundation determines the shape of the house, so the construction of our spiritual foundation determines the shape of our spiritual life. Seeing Christ as the glorious Savior that He is determines where we find our glory. If we see Him as an accessory to our glory, we will continue to see ourselves as the center of the trophy case. Seeing Christ as center will cause us to spend our lives for the declaration of His glory. Jesus continues on then and gives a couple of sayings that cut to the nature of this true faith. And the first says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Simply, the, the goal of a secret is to be eventually revealed when the time is right. And this is both a, a kind of a universal truth. If you're keeping a secret from somebody, you're keeping it so it's revealed in a time and a place that's advantageous to your purposes. And it's also an eternal truth in that with God there is no secrets. We're told that we will give an account for every action and thought. There are no secrets. Eternally, this is a warning. We may be acting as if our foundation is Christ, but in the end, the true foundation will be seen. If we hide the light, it will be known. And so as a result of the secrets not really being secrets, we see four instructions that Jesus gives us. And the first is, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. We hear this phrase often from Jesus. And he's simply asking, are you really listening to what I'm saying? Do you really hear what I'm saying? Do you really understand what I'm saying? Do you truly believe or are you simply wagging your head in absent-minded agreement? Are you applauding because everyone else is? Or do you see this as the radical, life-defining truth that it is? And he goes on. He says, not only are you hearing what I'm hearing, but pay attention to what you hear. And again, this is both a warning and an encouragement. If you're going to listen to the world's call to the glory of self, then more self will be given. What you surround yourself is what you will become. And so we must think carefully about the voices that we listen to. When we hear a voice tell us what we want to hear, tell us what our heart longs to hear, then we can be certain that that's 
probably not the voice of God. We must be careful to be sure that the voices we listen to represent God as He truly is. The third statement we see there is then that the, the measure you use will be measured in return. As we allow the light of the gospel to transform our hearts, as we absorb it, we then often reflect and display that glory to others because if we truly receive the gospel, it transforms us. And we can then share that transforming glory. I ran across a a, a small story. And it's about two men. One was a baker and one was a butcher. And rather than charge each other, they would trade their goods to each other. But the butcher became angry because the pound of flour he was given for his pound of meat always came up short of a pound. And so he confronted the baker and he said, what's wrong with my pound? And the baker told him, I don't have a scale, but a balance. So I always use your pound of meat on one side of the balance. His point was clear. The butcher had been trying to cheat him by giving him less meat, but he did not want the same standard of measurement used against himself. As we deal generously with the world around us, we shine the light of the gospel plentifully. And in that plentiful display of the gospel to the world around us, God will measure out the gospel to us. As we plant our foundation in ourselves, God will give us the scraps of our own glory. As we plant our foundation in His glory, He will glorify Himself through us in increasing bounty. And finally, the final phrase there, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And we see that these phrases kind of roll into each other. This brings to my mind the parable of the talents. For the one who was faithful was given more, and the one who squandered, it was even taken away. And so for us again, as we receive the gospel, as we believe the gospel, as we share the gospel, it will bring about a bountiful harvest in our hearts. As we squelch it, as we hide it, it will be hidden from us. The question we must consider then is what about ourselves? What about Calvary Mennonite Fellowship's light? What about the wider conservative Mennonite churches? What is our light? How do we live with this understanding of grace and understanding of the glory of God? I guess I personally believe that in in many ways we have bought into what I will call a maintenance gospel. God has saved us and we are going to do everything we can do to remain saved. In this we have, have accepted the gift of salvation but we have not accepted the gift of His keeping power. 
in doing so, we have turned the lens of the light of the gospel away from shining to the world around us. And we've turned it into ourselves. It's as if we are a lighthouse. And the one thing a lighthouse needs is a strong light. But I feel often, in fact, we've taken that light and we've turned it on the side and we've shined it down the inside of the lighthouse and we've asked ourselves, is there dust on the steps? We haven't worried if the light is shining. We've been too worried about the dust on the steps. We're a lighthouse that turns the light from one of warning to the ocean traveler of the rocks. And all the while, the ships are bashing on the rocks. And we're worried about ourselves. We tend to care more about the quality of the paint job on the lighthouse and then we care about the ultimate function of the lighthouse. Now, and to qualify that statement, the paint job on the lighthouse matters. The Mennonite paint job might be black with white spirals. The Presbyterian paint job might be red. The Baptist paint job might be orange. And those distinctions matter. We are who we are because that's who we are. And that's fine. In accepting the gospel message, we do not abandon our Mennonite heritage and our Mennonite understandings. Because if we're honest, that's what God used to bring us to faith. That's what God used to plow in each of our hearts and to grow the seeds of the gospel. But let's not get confused. The defining factor of the faithfulness of a church is not the paint job on the outside of the lighthouse. The defining factor is the quality of the reflection of God's glory to the world around us. The the unbeliever cares not about the color of the lighthouse when he recognizes the warning glow. He is not thankful that it was a Mennonite or a Presbyterian or a Baptist lighthouse. He just cares that he didn't hit the rocks. He only sees us as we glorify God himself. He only sees the light as it is the light of the gospel and the light of God himself penetrating through the dark swirling storms that our world gives people. And when he sees the glory of Christ, he's compelled to turn away, to come to God himself. So what are your baskets? What is the bed that you throw the light under? Which trophy gleams central in the trophy case of your heart? Is it the surpassing glory of Christ? Or do you have a few ribbons and medals you make sure are seen? Is the light of the gospel hidden? Or are the windows thrown open for all to see the glory of God pouring out of your life? 
Now I recognize that all of us hear a word like this, and if you're like me, your heart is penetrated. You realize that there's many of those areas in your life. You realize that you've far too often chased your own glory, your own good, your own well-being, over-proclaiming the glory of Christ. And the good news is the gospel. The glory of the gospel is that, is that Christ died even for your sin of seeking your own glory. Christ died for the church's sin of seeking its own glory. He died for our unbelief. And He calls, come, lay it down. Stop searching and seeking for water and glory that will never quench. Find in me and in the gospel the true meaning of life. He calls, come, repent, believe. Pull the light out from under the bed and put it back on the lampstand. Grab the real trophy from the closet and polish it and let everyone see God's glory. In conclusion, I'd refer again to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning we confess that we have often hid your glory. That we often seek our own. And Father, we recognize that this is ultimately our unbelief. Our unbelief in not trusting you to seek our ultimate good. Our unbelief in thinking that we can do better. Father, this morning as we consider the light of the gospel, may we again be brought to awe and wonder that you would come, that you would be a man as we are, that you would experience the pull of temptation, but yet that you would remain sinless and that you would bear on the cruel cross our penalty. As the Apostle Paul says, this is too wonderful for us. Father, give us all the willingness to take down our own trophies and to place the trophy of you and your gospel at the center of our lives, at the center of our hearts, and that we would throw open the windows and allow the light to penetrate through us to a world that so desperately needs the truth of the gospel. Pray that you would do this good work through your word and through our Savior Christ. And we pray this in his worthy name. Amen.